Chapter 15 of Child of Storm. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Child of Storm by H. Ryder Haggard. Chapter 15 Mamina Claims the Kiss. Part 1. When I reached Nodwangu, I was taken ill and laid up in my wagon for about a fortnight. What my exact sickness was I do not know, for I had no doctor at hand to tell me, as even the missionaries had fled the country. Fever resulting from fatigue, exposure and excitement, and complicated with fearful headache, caused, I presume, by the blow which I received in the battle, were its principal symptoms. When I began to get better, Scowl and some Zulu friends who came to see me informed me that the whole land was in a fearful state of disorder, and that Umbalazi's adherents, the Izikosa, were still being hunted out and killed. It seems that it was even suggested by some of the Usutu that I should share their fate. But on this point Panda was firm. Indeed, he appears to have said publicly that whoever lifted a spear against me his friend and guest lifted it against him, and would be the cause of a new war. So the Asutu left me alone, perhaps because they were satisfied with fighting for a while, and thought it wisest to be content with what they had won. Indeed, they had won everything, for Setawayo was now supreme, by right of the Asage, and his father but a cipher, Although he remained the head of the nation, Setawayo was publicly declared to be his feet, and strength was in these active feet, not in the bowed and sleeping head. In fact, so little power was left to Panda that he could not protect his own household. Thus one day I heard a great tumult and shouting proceeding apparently from the Izigolo, or royal enclosure, and on inquiring what it was afterwards, was told that Setuayo had come from the Amangwe Kral and denounced Nomanslai, the king's wife, as Umtakati, or a witch. More in spite of his father's prayers and tears, he had caused her to be put to death before his eyes, a dreadful and savage deed. At this distance of time, I cannot remember whether Nomanchali was the mother of Mumbalazi or one of the other fallen princes. Footnote. On rereading this history, it comes back to me that she was the mother of Matonga, who was much younger than Umbalazi. End footnote. A few days later, when I was up and about again, although I had not ventured into the kraal, Panda sent a message to me with a present of an ox. On his behalf, the man congratulated me on my recovery, and told me that, whatever might have happened to others, I was to have no fear for my own safety. He added that Setawayo had sworn to the king that not a hair of my head should be harmed. In these words, Had I wished to kill Watcher by night because he fought against me, I could have done so at Ndondakusaka. But then I ought to kill you also, my father, since you sent him thither against his will with your own regiment. But I like him well, who is brave and who brought me good tidings that the prince, my enemy, was dead of a broken heart. 
Moreover, I wish to have no quarrel with the White House, the English, on account of Macumazahn, so tell him that he may sleep in peace. The messenger said further that Saduko, the husband of the king's daughter, Nandi, and Umbalazi's chief, Induna, was to be put upon his trial on the morrow before the king and his council, together with Mamina, daughter of Umbezi, and that my presence was desired at this trial. I asked what was the charge against them. He replied that so far as Suduko was concerned, there were two. First, that he had stirred up civil war in the land, and secondly, that having pushed on Umbalazi into a fight in which many thousands perished, he had played the traitor, deserting him in the midst of the battle with all his following a very heinous offense in the eyes of the Zulus, to whatever party they may belong. Against Mamina there were three counts of indictment. First, that it was she who had poisoned Saduko's child and others, not Masapo, her first husband, who had suffered for that crime. Secondly, that she had deserted Saduko, her second husband, and gone to live with another man, namely the late Prince Umbalazi. Thirdly, that she was a witch, who had enmeshed Umbalazi in the web of her sorceries and thereby caused him to aspire to the succession to the throne, to which he had no right, and made the Isililo, or cry of mourning for the dead, to be heard in every kraal in Zululand. With three such pitfalls in her narrow path, Mamina will have to walk carefully if she would escape them all, I said. Yes, Nkuzi especially as the pitfalls are dug from side to side of the path and have a pointed stake at the bottom of each of them. Oh, Mamina is already as good as dead as she deserves to be, who without doubt is the greatest Umtakati north of the Tugela. I sighed, for somehow I was sorry for Mamina, though why she should escape when so many better people had perished because of her I did not know and the messenger went on. The black one, that is, Panda, sent me to tell Saduko that he would be allowed to see you, Makumazan, before the trial if he wished, for he knew that you had been a friend of his and thought that you might be able to give evidence in his favor. And what did Saduko say to that? I asked. He said that he thanked the king, but that it was not needful for him to talk with Macumazan, whose heart was white like his skin, and whose lips, if they spoke at all, would tell neither more nor less than the truth. The princess Nandi, who is with him, for she will not leave him in his trouble, as all others have done on hearing these words of Saduko's, said that they were true, and that for this reason... Although you were her friend, she did not hold it necessary to see you either. Upon this intimation I made no comment, for my head thought, as the natives say, that Saduko's real reason for not wishing to see me was that he felt ashamed to do so, and Nandi's that she feared to learn more about her husband's perfidies than she knew already. With Mamina it is otherwise, went on the messenger, 
for as soon as she was brought here with Zikali, the little and wise with whom it seems she has been sheltering and learned that you, Makumazan, were at the kraal, she asked leave to see you. And is it granted? Spoken hurriedly, for I did not at all wish for a private interview with Mamina. Nay, have no fear, Nkusi, replied the messenger with a smile. It is refused because the king said that if once she saw you she would bewitch you and bring trouble on you, as she does on all men. It is for this reason that she is guarded by women only, no man being allowed to go near to her, for on women her witcheries will not bite. Still they say that she is merry and laughs and sings a great deal, declaring that her life has been dull up at old Zikali's, and that now she is going to a place as gay as the veld in spring after the first warm rain, where there will be plenty of men to quarrel for her and make her great and happy. That is what she says, the witch who knows perhaps what the place of spirits is like. Then as I made no remarks or suggestions, the messenger departed saying that he would return on the morrow and lead me to the place of trial. Next morning, after the cows had been milked and the cattle loosed from their kraals, he came accordingly with a guard of about thirty men, all of them soldiers who had survived the great fight of the Amawambe. These warriors, some of whom had wounds that were scarcely healed, saluted me with loud cries of, Nkusi! and Baba! as I stepped out of the wagon where I had spent a wretched night of unpleasant anticipation, showing me that there were at least some Zulus with whom I remained popular. Indeed, their delight at seeing me, whom they looked upon as a comrade and one of the few survivors of the great adventure, was quite touching. As we went, which we did slowly, their captain told me of their fears that I had been killed with the others and how rejoiced they were when they learned that I was safe. He told me also that, after the third regiment had attacked them and broken up their ring, a small body of them, from eighty to a hundred only, managed to cut a way through and escape, running not towards the Tugela, where so many thousands had perished, but up to Nodwengu, where they reported themselves to Panda as the only survivors of the Amawombe. "'And you are safe now?' I asked of the captain. "'Oh, yes,' he answered. "'You see, we were the king's men, but not Umbalazis, "'so Setawayo bears us no grudge. "'Indeed, he is obliged to us "'because we gave the Usutu their stomachs full of good fighting, "'which is more than did those cows of Umbalazis. "'It is towards Saduko that he bears a grudge for... You know, my father, one should never pull a drowning man out of the stream, which is what Saduko did, for had it not been for his treachery, Setawayo would have sunk beneath the water of death, especially if it is only to spite a woman who hates him. Still, perhaps Saduko will escape with his life, because he is Nandi's husband, and Setawayo fears Nandi, his sister, if he does not love her. But here we are and those who have to watch the sky all day will be able to tell of the evening weather. In other words, those who live will learn. As he spoke, we passed into the private enclosure of the Isigolo, 
outside of which a great many people were gathered, shouting, talking, and quarreling, for in those days all the usual discipline of the great place was relaxed. Within the fence, however, that was strongly guarded on its exterior side were only about a score of counselors. The king, the prince at the Wayo, who sat upon his right, the princess Nandi, Saduko's wife, a few attendants, two great silent fellows armed with clubs, whom I guessed to be executioners, and seated in the shade in a corner, that ancient dwarf Zikali, though how he came to be there I did not know. Obviously the trial was to be quite a private affair, which accounted for the unusual presence of the two slayers. Even my Anawombe guard was left outside the gate, although I was significantly informed that if I chose to call upon them they would hear me, which was another way of saying that in such a small gathering I was absolutely safe. Walking forward boldly towards Panda, who, though he was as fat as ever, looked very worn and much older than I had last seen him, I made my bow, whereon he took my hand and asked after my health. Then I shook Setawayo's hand also, as I saw that he was stretched out to me. He seized the opportunity to remark that he was told that I had suffered a knock on the head in some scrimmage down by the Tugela, and he hoped that I felt no ill effects. I answered, No, though I feared that there were a few others who had not been so fortunate, especially those who had stumbled against the Amawambe regiment, with whom I chanced to be traveling upon a peaceful mission of inquiry. It was a bold speech to make, but I was determined to give him a quid pro quo, and, as a matter of fact, he took it in very good part, laughing heartily at the joke. After this I saluted such of the counselors present as I knew, which were not many, for most of my old friends were dead, and sat down upon the stool that was placed for me not very far from the dwarf Sikali, who stared at me in a stony fashion as though he had never seen me before. There followed a pause. Then at some sign from Panda a side gate in the fence was opened and through it appeared Saduko who walked proudly to the space in front of the king, to whom he gave the salute Bayete, and at a sign sat himself down upon the ground. Next, through the same gate, to which she was conducted by some women, came Amina, quite unchanged and, I think, more beautiful than she had ever been. So lovely did she look indeed in her cloak of gray fur, her necklet of blue beads, and the gleaming rings of copper which she wore upon her wrists and ankles, that every eye was fixed upon her as she glided gracefully forward to make her obeisance to Panda. This done, she turned and saw Nandi, to whom she also bowed, as she did so inquiring after the health of her child, without waiting for an answer which she knew would not be vouchsafed. She advanced to me and grabbed my hand, which she pressed warmly, saying how glad she was to see me safe after going through so many dangers, though she thought I looked even thinner than I used to be. Only of Saduko, who was watching her with his intent and melancholy eyes, she took no heed whatsoever. Indeed, for a while I thought that she could not have seen him, nor did she appear to recognize Setawayo, although he stared at her hard enough, 
but as her glance fell upon the two executioners, I thought I saw her shudder like a shaken reed. Then she sat down in the place appointed to her, and the trial began. The case of Saduko was taken first. An officer, learned in Zulu law, which I can assure the reader is a very intricate and well-established law, I suppose that he might be called a kind of attorney general, rose and stated the case against the prisoner. He told how Saduko, from a nobody, had been lifted to a great place by the king and given his daughter, the princess Nandi, in marriage. Then he alleged that, as would be proved in evidence, that the said Saduko had urged on Umbalazi the prince, to whose party he had attached himself, to make war upon Satawayo. This war having begun at the great battle of Ndondagusuka, he treacherously deserted Umbalazi together with three regiments under his command and gone over to Setawayo, thereby bringing Umbalazi to defeat and death. His brief statement of the case for the prosecution being finished, Panda asked Saduko whether he pleaded guilty or not guilty. Guilty, O king, he answered and was silent. Then Panda asked him if he had anything to say in excuse of his conduct. Nothing, O king, except that I was Umbalazi's man, and when you, O king, had given the word that he and the prince yonder might fight, I, like many others, some of whom are dead and some alive, worked for him with all my ten fingers that he might have the victory. Then why did you desert my son, the prince, in the battle? asked Panda because I saw that the prince at the while was the stronger bull and wished to be on the winning side, as all men do, for no other reason, answered Saduko calmly. Now everyone present stared, not accepting Setawayo. Panda, who like the rest of us had heard a very different tale, looked extremely puzzled while Zikali in the corner set up one of his great laughs. After a long pause, at length the king, a supreme judge, began to pass sentence. At least, I suppose, that was his intention. But before three words had left his lips, Nandi rose and said, My father, ere you speak that which cannot be unspoken, hear me. It is well known that Saduko, my husband, was my brother Umbalazi's general and counsellor, and if he is to be killed for clinging to the prince, then I should be killed also, and countless others in Zululand, who still remain alive because they were not in or escaped the battle. It is well known also, my father, that during the battle Saduko went over to my brother Setawayo, though whether this brought about the defeat of Umbalazi I cannot say. Why did he go over? He tells you because he wished to be on the winning side. It is not true. He went over in order to be revenged upon Umbalazi, who had taken from him yonder witch, and she pointed with her finger at Mamina. Yonder witch, whom he loved and still loves, and whom even now he would shield, even though to do so he must make his own name shameful. Saduko sinned, I do not deny it, my father. But there sits the real traitress, 
red with the blood of umbalazi and with that of thousands of others who have socialed gone down to keep him company among the ghosts therefore o king i beseech you spare the life of saduko my husband or if he must die learn that i your daughter will die with him i have spoken o king and very proudly and quietly she sat herself down again waiting for the fateful words but those words were not spoken since panda only said let us try the case of this woman mamina thereon the law officer rose again and set out the charges against mamina namely that it was she who had poisoned saduko's child and not masapo that after marrying saduko she had deserted him and gone to live with the prince umbalazi and that finally she had bewitched the said umbalazi and caused him to make civil war in the land the second charge if proved namely that this woman deserted her husband for another man is a crime of death broke in panda abruptly as the officer finished speaking therefore what need is there to hear the first and the third until that is examined what do you plead to that charge woman now understanding that the king did not wish to stir up these other matters of murder and witchcraft for some reason of his own we all turned to hear mamina's answer oh king she said in her low silvery voice i cannot deny that i left saduko for umbalazi the handsome any more than saduko can deny that he left umbalazi the beaten for setawayo the conqueror why did you leave saduko asked panda o oh, king perhaps because i loved umbalazi for was he not called the handsome also you know that the prince your son was one to be loved here she paused looking at poor panda who winced or perhaps because i wished to be great for was he not of the blood royal and had it not been for saduko would he not one day have been a king or perhaps because i could no longer bear the treatment that the princess nandi dealt out to me she who was cruel to me and threatened to beat me because saduko loved my hut better than her own ask saduko he knows more of these matters than i do and she gazed at him steadily then she went on how can a woman tell her reasons o king when she never knows them herself a question at which some of her hearers smiled now saduko rose and said slowly hear me o king and i will give the reason that mamina hides she left me for umbalazi because i bade her to do so for i knew that umbalazi desired her and i wished to tie the cord together which bound me to one who at that time i thought would inherit the throne also i was weary of mamina who quarrelled night and day with the princess nandi my inkozikazi now nandi gasped in astonishment and so did i but mamina laughed and said yes yes o king those were the two real reasons that i had forgotten 
I left Saduko because he paid me. He wished to make a present to the prince. Also he was tired of me. For many days at a time he would scarcely speak to me, because, however kind she might be, I could not help quarrelling with the princess Nandi. Moreover, there was another reason which I have forgotten. I had no child, and not having any child I did not think it mattered whether I went or stayed. If Saduko searches, he will remember that I told him so, and that he agreed with me. Again she looked at Saduko, who said hurriedly, Yes, yes, I told her so. I told her that I wished for no barren cows in my kraal. Now some of the audience laughed outright, but Panda frowned. It seems, he said, that my ears are being stuffed with lies, though which of these two tells them I cannot say. Well, if the woman left the man by his own wish, and that his ends might be furthered, as he says, he had put her away, and therefore the fault, if any, is his, not hers. So that charge is ended. Now, woman, what have you to tell us of the witchcraft which is said that you practiced upon the prince who is gone, thereby causing him to make war in the land? Little that you would wish to hear, O king, or that it would be seemly for me to speak she answered, drooping her head modestly. The only witchcraft that I ever practiced upon Umbalazi lies here. And she touched her beautiful eyes. And here. And she touched her curving lips. And in this poor shape of mine, which some have thought so fair, as for a war, what had I to do with war, who never spoke to Umbalazi, who was so dear to me? and she looked up with tears running down her face. Save of love! O king, is there a man among you who would fear the witcheries of such a one as I? And because of the heavens made me beautiful with the beauty that men must follow, am I also to be killed as a sorceress? Now to this argument neither Panda nor anyone else seemed to find an answer especially as it was well known that Umbalazi had cherished his ambition to the succession long before he met Mamina. So that charge was dropped, and the first and the greatest of the three proceeded with, namely, that it was she, Mamina, and not her husband Masapo, who had murdered Nandi's child. When this accusation was made against her, for the first time I saw a little shade of trouble flit across Mamina's soft eyes. Surely, O oh king, she said, that matter was settled long ago, when the Nwande Zikali, the great Nyanga, smelt out Masapo the wizard, he who was my husband and brought him to his death for this crime. Must I then be tried for it again? Not so, woman, answered Panda. All that Zikali smelt out was the poison that wrought the crime, and as some of that poison was found upon Masapo, he was killed as a wizard. 
yet it may be that it was not he who used the poison then surely the king should have thought of that before he died murmured mamina but i forget it is known that masapa was always hostile to the house of senzengagona to this remark panda made no answer perhaps because it was unanswerable even in a land where it was customary to kill the supposed wizard first and inquire as to his actual guilt afterwards or not at all or perhaps he thought it polite to ignore the suggestion that he had been inspired by personal enmity only he looked at his daughter nandi who rose and said have i leave to call a witness on this matter of the poison my father panda nodded whereon nandi said to one of the counsellors be pleased to summon my woman nahana who waits without the man went and presently returned with an elderly female who it appeared had been nandi's nurse and never having married owing to some physical defect had always remained in her service a person well known and much respected in her humble walk of life nahana said nandi you are brought here that you may repeat to the king and his council a tale which you told to me as to the coming of a certain woman into my hut before the death of my first-born son and what she did there say first is this woman present here i in kosazana answered nahana yonder she sits who could mistake her and she pointed to mamina who was listening to every word intently as a dog listens at the mouth of an ant-bear hole when the beast is stirring beneath then what of the woman and her deeds asked panda only this o king two nights before the child that is dead was taken ill i saw mamina creep into the hut of the lady nandi i who was asleep alone in a corner of the big hut out of reach of the light of the fire at the time the lady nandi was away from the hut with her son knowing the woman for mamina the wife of masapo who was on friendly terms with the inkosasana whom i supposed she had come to visit i did not declare myself nor did i take any particular note when i saw her sprinkle a little mat upon which the babe saduko's son was wont to be laid with some medicine because i had heard her promise to the inkosasana a powder which she said would drive away insects only when i saw her throw some of this powder into the vessel of warm water that stood by the fire to be used for the washing of the child and placed something muttering certain words that i could not catch in the straw of the doorway i thought it strange and was about to question her when she left the hut as it happened o king but a little while afterwards before one could count ten tens indeed a messenger came to the hut to tell me that my old mother lay dying at her kraal four days journey from nodwengu and prayed to see me before she died then i forgot all about mamina and the powder and running out to seek the princess nandi i craved her leave to go with the messenger to my mother's kraal which she granted to me 
saying that I need not return until my mother was buried. So I went, but oh, my mother took long to die. Whole moons passed before I shut her eyes, and all this while she would not let me go, nor indeed did I wish to leave her whom I loved. At length it was over, and then came the days of mourning, and after those some more days of rest, and after them again the days of the division of the cattle, so that in the end six moons or more had gone by before I returned to the service of the Princess Nandi, and found that Mamina was now the second wife of the Lord Saduko. Also I found that the child of the Lady Nandi was dead, and that Masapo, the first husband of Mamina, had been smelt out and killed as a murderer of the child. But as all these things were over and done with, and as Mamina was very kind to me, giving me gifts and sparing me tasks, and as I saw that Satuko, my lord, loved her much, it never came into my head to say anything of the matter of the powder that I saw her sprinkle on the mat. End of chapter 15, part 1 Recording by Keith Salas